the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 435 for October 5th, 2014. The FCC fines Marriott for blocking guest Wi-Fi networks, data doubling promotions from Verizon and Sprint, and Microsoft announces Windows 10. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, first today, let's talk about a few things that were going on this week. First up, Verizon Messenger is now working on business accounts, and Joey has taken a first-hand look at what that means. Yeah, you know, Mickey, you uh, talked about Windows Messenger or uh, the Verizon Messenger a while ago, and I thought, you know, that'd be great to check out because I'd like to have text messages on my iPad uh, that aren't coming from Google Voice because that app is terrible to use. So I gave it a shot, and it didn't work because, oh, this just does not apply to business account. That seems to be my, the story of my life recently here with Verizon because everything seems to be uh, hinging on business accounts. But anyway, they uh, they finally have it working with business accounts, so I got to try it. So it was awfully nice to be able to send MMS through the iPad now uh, directly with my regular phone number. And of course, it actually works better than my iPhone for sending MMS as well. I have a certain friend with Android, and it will not deliver half of the pictures I send via iMessage via MMS. So it doesn't work very well, but the app does. So that's, uh, that's one good positive there. So it's nice to be able to get the text messages that way uh, through uh, through the not just through the phone like what we'll be getting up and coming with the Apple update well here's the thing with uh, with messenger this is something that is not new for those that are on consumer accounts uh, or regular accounts I guess we'll call them um, and uh, it's it's a really nice feature if you're on Verizon to be able to send and receive them as Joey mentions through the iPad um, there's also a Windows and or Mac app that you can download, standalone apps uh, that I've had uh, for a while as well, as well as a web app that you can use. So depending on how you want to be using this, you can send and receive these messages through pretty much any means possible. Uh, one of the other things that I like about it, too, is that the application does install on phones, and it may seem a little redundant, but uh, hear me out on this one. So um, I spend uh, some time on a regular basis in an area that does not have Wi-Fi service, or excuse me, it doesn't have cellular service, only Wi-Fi service. And so I can send and receive the text messages that I need to from that area, uh, from that app. So this is uh, a, a nice thing to see if you're someone who does any any amount of uh, traveling and, and you spend time in areas that you don't have cellular coverage, but you do have Wi-Fi, uh, or just spend time in areas that are like that. So it, it's really nice to be able to do that. And sometimes um, I, I will get the messages uh, through that will come through on that and not on messages for a few seconds or, or vice versa. So there are some kind of wonky things to it, but generally it seems pretty stable. Uh, in general, I, I find it to be a nice thing to have and I can see then exactly uh, when do, and when messages are coming through uh, if I'm like I said if I don't have uh, cellular service so ultimately uh, I guess we'll have to kind of see how it plays out with the iOS uh, I, I'm assuming they're gonna call it 8.1 when we get the ability to have the text messages forward from our iPhone to the iPad and uh, the the Mac as well but you know that is a little bit different because it's still relying on the cellular service on your phone I believe I, I, I'm not sure of that because Apple may deliver them to you directly from their services to the iPad. We'll have to wait and see, but I have a feeling that's going to be the case, but it may not be. So we have to see if this, uh, you know, long-term viability of me using this app, uh, w- what what we're going to do with that, because it, it may, may not need it. 
Yeah, that's very true. iOS 8.1 and, of course, macOS Yosemite are going to be the requirements here to have that SMS relay where it takes the messages and pushes them uh, over to your other devices. And uh, the, the way that we assume it's going to happen, as Joey mentions here, is to have that through uh, kind of a pairing, if you will, through your iPhone. Uh, but we'll see how that works. As an aside, I've been doing quite a bit of calling over my iPad here since uh, we got the continuity functionality. It's very nice uh, to be able to do that. It's funny because I could have always done this over the, the, the speaker phone where I just, you know, you, you hit the speaker on the phone and make and receive calls. But for whatever reason, it's I've got the iPad like kind of up and, and at, a, at the ready uh, more than I have got my phone sitting in front of me. So it's just as easy to answer the call on there and, and take a quick speaker phone call or to uh, dial out on there as well. So that's pretty nice. The other thing I, I like um, about the new iOS that has kind of come up here that I've noticed is that when you, know, when you double click the home button, you get all of your um, your shortcut favorites at the very top there. And so from there, you can go in and then send and receive uh, phone calls from there as well. And that works uh, through going through the FaceTime application uh, on the iPad. So anyway, kind of a neat little little thing that that happens there. And uh, so again, very exciting to see how this is going to all play out when it comes to the Mac side as well. Of course, all of this means nothing to you if you're using an Android device or you're not using a Mac computer. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting stuff here to see how we're getting all this stuff kind of tied together after all these years of putting these different products out and now they're all coming back to each other and being able to communicate with each other and all essentially doing the exact same thing. Next up before the news had an interesting conversation this week with a longtime iPhone user on the new iPhone and uh, the new design of the iPhone 6 uh, in his mind was the best design since the original phone. So let me explain what I what I found here and this is just one of those kind of interesting things that I, I thought it was fun to share. So uh, I'm at a meeting with an architect this week and we're talking through various things and I mentioned to him, I, hey, did you get you know the new iPhone and and uh, pulled mine out and showed it to him and he said no and I said uh, well you're an iPhone user and he said oh yeah I said which one do you have and he said the original and I said the, what do you mean the original and he said the one from 2007 and before I could even get out the words you know how does the battery still work he said the battery works just fine on it still uh, it's you know it's not as as good as it once was but it's still just fine I can charge it up and it works well and I said why with all of the changes that have happened why would you possibly keep that one he said I just love the design and he said I love the rounded corners I love the the metal on it and uh, and it's and it's that's just been the design that I think has been the best one that they've had up until now. And he said the new iPhone six looks great. And he said I probably will finally upgrade to this one. And uh, so I got to thinking about that. How much has changed on this thing since the original one came out? So obviously some of the big things are that was an AT and T only device. That was an edge only device, so he's still rocking edge data only. Uh, it is mostly web apps. It did have access to some of uh, it did have access to some applications, but I'll, keep in mind most of them have been upgraded to the point where they don't work anymore. So he doesn't really have as much you know as far as apps are out there. He cannot record video using his phone. He's got no flash. For, for pictures. He's got no front-facing camera. <laughs> I mean, just think of all these things that have come up over time that have just so so far have changed uh, just in the, uh, the seven years that the iPhone has been out. Yeah, really, the only thing you could do is just slowly browse the web on uh, Safari. That probably is not very compatible with current uh, websites that are even formatted for Safari. It's just a phone, a texting machine, and he said email. And that's really about all he does on it. He doesn't really browse or do anything with apps. So uh, just you know, absolutely fascinating that you've still got some people that are out there using it. I, I'm guessing there's probably 
I mean, less than 10,000 people actually using this device. And I mean, you think about how many they sold and I mean, I've got one sitting in a box somewhere, but it's obviously it's not charged. It hasn't been charged in many years. Uh, still, a, again, a great design. I love I love that, you know, what they did with that phone. But again, it's just not functional in today's world. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the design is interesting because it really does, uh, the, the current iPhone really does kind of harken back to the rounded corners and kind of the aluminum look of the original iPhone. And and quite frankly, I do think this is probably, uh, you know, the, the really nice design aspect. And it's a lot more comfortable to hold on to, as we talked about last week. This really is uh, a lot nicer than the sharp corners, especially of the 4 and the 4S. Those glass edges were kind of silly. I mean, and I mean, obviously, they were really trying to build something different. They, they did uh, gain a lot of attention, but really they, they weren't ideal. Yeah, they definitely were not. And, you know, I think if if you look at the the kind of the, the iterations that they had, uh, you know, when they, they went away from the metal design and obviously trying to save a little bit on the weight and, and maybe manufacturing process and stuff like that, uh, you know, and to come back around to this now. It's very fascinating to see just just how much things change and how much they stay the same. What's what's uh, old is new again, I think, is the expression there. Let's jump into the news. Uh, a few things to talk about this week. First off, eBay announcing plans to separate its online auction business from the online payment service PayPal. eBay will spin off PayPal into its own company expected to be completed in the second half of 2015. They said, quote, for more than a decade, eBay and PayPal have mutually benefited from being part of one company, creating substantial shareholder value. Uh, however, a thorough strategic review shows that keeping eBay and PayPal together beyond 2015 clearly becomes less advantageous than each business strategically and competitively can be done separately. eBay has hired American Express executive Dan Schulman to run PayPal. Donahoe will oversee the separation of the two companies and then will step aside. You know, taking a step back and thinking about this uh, particular, you know, service PayPal, it was really, really revolutionary for the time to be able to kind of link a bank account and send money by email. That, uh, that was bizarre back in, you know, 1998 or whenever they started. And if you think they had a, a real digital lead and innovation, what have they done since? absolutely nothing. I mean, they've tried some of these Square-style services. They've, they've gone nowhere. But in, in reality, they should have been a company that was uh, introducing something like Apple Pay years ago, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's bizarre that they took that real, real digital lead that they had in, in payments and just did nothing with it. They instead joined with eBay, which does nothing but seem to uh, go backwards in time as far as their ability to, to uh, keep people going to auction sites and putting stuff for auction because they're, they're charging just keep going up and up and up so it's it's kind of bizarre that they got uh they, they got saddled with that yeah it does and you know i obviously look at uh, all these different types of services um you know for what they are and and i i think that something like a paypal has obviously done they've done a great job with it and i still use it on a very regular basis every month that's i pay a number of different uh, invoices and bills with that and uh, you know regularly i'll pay for different uh different goods that i purchase through paypal still and of course with ebay that's the only way to pay so there's a lot of different things to still like about paypal but to joey's point they really haven't embraced what's going on with mobile payments and they really haven't taken the time um, to, and if they have done things, it hasn't really caught on in a way that has really taken off. You know, they, if, if Google would have uh, partnered with them and, and Google Wallet would have been tied into PayPal in a way that uh, that was, you know, something uh, that was 
tied into the hardware in a different way or with merchants in a different way. I mean, there, there's all these different, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking things that we can talk about. But uh, but either way, it's, it's interesting to hear this. And so within the next year, we'll see them split apart and uh, obviously still uh, be running very much the same as they are today, just not under the same co- uh, corporate umbrella. Next up, hotel chain Marriott slapped with a $600,000 fine this week after it was found to have willfully and maliciously interfered with radio licensing and communications. In 2013, a visitor to the Marriott Gaylord Opryland Hotel and Convention Center in Nashville, Tennessee, claimed that the hotel was jamming mobile hotspots so that you can't use them in the convention space. The FCC's Enforcement Bureau investigated this allegation, and Marriott ultimately admitted that some of its employees had used the containment features of the hotel's Wi-Fi monitoring system to prevent the use of personal Wi-Fi networks. They said, quote, in some places uh, or some cases, employees sent de-authentication packets to the targeted access points, which would disassociate consumers' devices from their own Wi-Fi hotspots and thus disrupt consumers' current Wi-Fi transmissions and prevent feature transmissions. That was their statement to the FCC. Meanwhile, some exhibitors at the conference facility were charged between 250 and one thousand dollars per device just to access the hotel's network in addition to putting an end to unlawful blocking of wi-fi signals marriott must pay that civil penalty that we mentioned of six hundred thousand dollars so a drop in the bucket for them but uh, interesting story nonetheless no, it is because you cannot actively block uh, open spectrum and, and you cannot block frequencies that you do not own, right? I mean, you just can't do that. And, and also being a provider of the Wi-Fi and uh, forcing your uh, consumers onto that, that's just uh, that's just awful. And, and, you know, quite frankly, a lot of uh, businesses, you have to use your Wi-Fi hotspot or your MiFi to access your corporate network because they will not a- allow you access from any other network because the security of it really cannot be, uh, it, it can't be uh, ensured that you're safe because it's not uh, your own device and coming over the cellular, which is a lot more safer than a Wi-Fi access point. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that were, were gone, going wrong here <laughs> as far as what Marriott was doing. And ultimately, uh, hopefully this will be a, uh, uh, you know, a, a notice to anyone else who was thinking about doing this any other hotel and or publicly uh, public providers of Wi-Fi hotspots that uh, you should not be doing this because obviously it's not going to end well for you. Sprint on Friday announcing a new promotion providing customers with 500 free minutes of calling to Mexico and eight other countries through 2015. The promotion is limited to new lines of service only and includes calling to Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Guatemala, Peru, and Spain. Once customers exhaust their 500-minute monthly allotment, calls to Mexico will cost only one cent per minute. Sprint said rates will vary to the other countries and are part of the promo. New customers can sign up for Sprint Mexico and more 500, which is a plan uh, that is available between now and December 5th. Once that promotion expires in December of 2015, customers will pay $5 per month for the existing plan. Existing Sprint customers can add Sprint Mexico and more 500 for only $5 a month. So a way to get uh, potential customers that need to do a lot of calling to Latin American countries to jump onto their network and actually pretty decent rates here. If you think about it, $5 for only uh, for 500 minutes for only $5, it's a, um, it's a great option here if you're making a lot of calling to those areas. Also this week, Sprint revealing earlier this year that they plan to shut down its WiMAX network sometime before the end of 2015, but a leaked newsletter from the provider sent anonymously uh, says that the WiMAX shutdown will be occurring November 6th of 2015. This comes 
from an Android Central reader, and he says that the newsletter says the impending shutdown will be sent to Sprint's CL accounts starting on Monday, October 6th. That letter will include a note stating that smartphones that work on both the WiMAX and 3G networks of Sprint will continue to connect, but only to the 3G system. It will also contain some alternative low-cost or no-cost smartphones that will work on those 4G networks that are currently being deployed with LTE technology for Sprint. So keep that in mind. It looks like November 6th, 2015, that's 13 months away from now, WiMAX will be no longer. On the heels of AT&T's data allowance increases last week, Sprint on Wednesday announcing a new promotion offering subscribers to Sprint's family share packs plans that double their data allotments. Families with 32, 40, and 80 gigabytes of data in their plans will now receive 60 80 and 120 gigabytes respectively for the same monthly fees that they're already paying. Customers need to visit Sprint stores or call into customer support by October 31st to receive that new data package. Additionally, Sprint is waiving the access charge for handsets, tablets, and mobile broadband devices on 20 gigabytes of data or higher for customers who switch their number to Sprint. Sprint is also offering a similar data double promotion for its business customers as well. And not to be outdone, Verizon also announcing their own data offering beginning October 2nd. Customers who uh, who share lines can increase their data allotments with plans starting at 12 gigabytes or higher. Those currently with 12 gigs jump to 15 gigs for $110 a month. 16 gigs jumps to 30 gigs. 20 gigs jumps to 40 gigs. 30 gigs jumps to 60 and 40 jumps to 80. Finally, 50 gigabyte plans jump all the way up to 100 gigs. That top end plan costs 360 $75 per month. Customers who choose Verizon Edge when purchasing or upgrading their smartphone with these promotions or those who bring their own device can add these phones to more everything plans for $15 a month. In addition to plan fees, the data double promotion is available until October 31st. So uh, this also applies to business more everything accounts. Uh, if you have the 25 lines or less, I discovered this week, I went and checked it out. And sure enough, I was eligible. I have a, a 30 uh, gig plan at the office for the numerous smartphones and uh, iPads I have, and was able to double it to 60 for no additional price. Uh, the, the, you know, I'm, I had that the, the minimum I can get is 30 on my plan because I have over 10 lines and I don't have over 25, so I can do that. But if you go over 25, then the price is uh, the normal rate for that. So it kind of, there's just one little section that I do uh, fit into. So that'll be kind of nice. Not that I reach the 30 gigs right now uh, with everybody on there, but you know, as uh, time goes on, the, the data usage does go up uh, just a little bit each month. So uh, eventually it'll be at that 30 gigs. So now I've got 60. And this is definitely something to be thinking about as we move forward with technology, obviously, as cameras get better and we're sending more video and just the kind of the same things that you're doing today are going to use more data going forward. The the amount that you're pulling down from web browsing and checking of email and attachments and stuff like that, it all is just adding up and it's it's using more and more. And uh, and ultimately, Joe, you've got a good point here is that while it may not be today, it's going to be at some point where you'll you'll eventually say, I used to be able to use two gigs a month and it was really no big deal. And now all of a sudden I, I just just can't do it anymore. So long and the short of it is, uh, if you happen to be on one of these bigger plans, 
and uh, you want to, uh, for free, take advantage of jumping to a higher plan, not only AT&T, but also announced this week, Sprint and Verizon do offer additional uh, additional amounts here for each of these plans. So go ahead and contact your carrier to make that change. Also from Verizon, an announcement on Wednesday from the carrier stating that they will not move forward on a network optimization plan to throttle mobile data speeds of its heaviest users. Verizon announced its intention to slow speeds of unlimited data customers based on monthly usage and local cell site conditions, but that was met with resistance from both the government and customers. In a statement, the company said Verizon is committed to providing its customers with unparalleled mobile network experiences, and at a time of ever-increasing mobile broadband usage, we not only take pride in the way we manage our resources, but also take seriously our responsibility to deliver exceptional mobile service to every customer. We've greatly valued the ongoing dialogue over the past few months concerning network optimization, and we've decided not to move forward with the planned implementation of our network optimization for 4G LTE customers on unlimited plans. Exceptional network service will always be a priority, and we remain committed to working closely with industry stakeholders to manage broadband issues so that America's consumers get the world-class mobile service they expect and value. So good news there if you happen to be one of those very few people still on an unlimited plan from Verizon. And there's fewer and fewer here, especially when you're paying 600 to $700 for every new phone that you buy to stay on that plan. Yeah, but I bet uh, uh, the, we have quite a few listeners that are because of the unlimited nature of the data and the, uh, the, the tech-savvy people that are listening to us. That's absolutely, I think, uh, think the case. And if for, I think it was $30, you could get yourself unlimited data uh, on, on those older plans. So you're still paying much less than you would if you decide to, uh, to upgrade and, and, uh, and take that lower amount uh, of the phone price and, and uh, take a plan that may cost you um, a little bit more there as you're upgrading, um, as you're upgrading that phone there. So so anyway, yeah, very interesting stuff there that they've got that and good news for those that are on unlimited plans and want to stay on them. Next up in device news, Freedom Pop on Wednesday announcing a new low-cost tablet using its own brand. The move is part of getting into the low-cost hardware field with the first device they're calling the Freedom Pop Liberty. The Liberty tablet has a 6.7-inch screen with a 1024 by 600 resolution, dual-core 1.2 gigahertz Cortex-A9 processor. It has 512 megs of RAM and 4 gigs of internal storage. The main camera captures four megapixel images with the selfie camera capturing VGA images. The Liberty supports memory cards and includes a 2400 milliamp hour battery. Freedom Pop is marketing the the Liberty as a phablet, but it is limited to Wi-Fi connectivity only and does not include cellular capabilities. Liberty owners receive 200 voice minutes and 500 messages for free. Both services will require an active Wi-Fi network to function. Liberty said the larger 10-inch tablet with LTE called the Frenzy will arrive next month. And further, the Freedom Pop branded LTE-equipped Android smartphone, uh, one will uh, show up at some point down the road. Freedom Pop Liberty costs only $90 and it ships immediately. They said they plan to also offer the Note 2 and Note 3 in the upcoming days for highly discounted prices. Pebble on Tuesday announcing a software update for its wearable devices and overall lowered prices of its hardware. The software update targets health and fitness applications and lets Pebble smartwatches track activity in the background. Misfit, Jawbone, and Swim.com have updated their apps to take advantage of the new health and fitness powers and Jawbone's new up 
app application will mirror the functionality offered by its own fitness tracking wearables. Swim.com's application will allow swimmers to track distance, pace, strokes, and efficiency in their workouts. Along with the new functionality, Pebble is dropping prices, lowering Pebble down to $99 and Pebble Steel uh, down to $199. Both are $50 price drops. Pebble's wearables will also now be sold from a wider selection of retail locations such as Sam's Club, Fry's, and Sprint. Software news this week, YouTube user Everything Apples Pro has found a security vulnerability involving Apple's iOS 8 for Touch ID and Passcode. Using either iOS 8 or 8.0.2 while your iPhone is plugged into a computer or wall charger with the Allow Hey Siri uh, setting to be activated, a glitch allows you to enter the iPhone without authenticating. The process is simple but has a low success rate. Essentially, you ask Siri a question on the lock screen. For example, we they the example here they used what's the weather like tomorrow and series as they're thinking the answer uh, you press the home button and swipe right as you can then enter into the phone so here's the the, the quick uh, way to get around this just turn off allow hey siri uh, i did not realize that this was uh, something that only worked when you had your phone plugged in so not necessarily something that uh, i'm sure a lot of people are going to be using all that much but uh, anyway if you if you want to just make sure you don't have this issue turn it off and uh, you're good to go apple this week publishing a website that allows buyers of used iphones to check the phone's activation status before buying as long as the imei or serial number is available, users can enter the data into Apple's activation lock site to determine if the device has been reported stolen. Uh, iCloud.com slash activation lock is the website and Apple's Find My iPhone tool lets people not only locate lost or stolen phones, but then you can wipe them uh, so that they cannot be locked uh, or they cannot be activated until unlocked. The tool also works with the iPad and iPod Touch. So iCloud.com slash activation lock is where you can go and check an IMEI the next time you're on your way to buy a used iPhone. Microsoft on Tuesday announcing the next version of Windows to be called Windows 10. According to Microsoft, Windows 10 will encompass one product family, one platform, and one store. Windows 10 will run on desktops, laptops, tablets, and even phones, and Microsoft says the OS will offer users a seamless experience across multiple different form factors with varied input devices, including a mouse, pen, or touch interface. One of the key components will be shared code so developers can create applications that run on any of the supported form factors with little customization. Microsoft shared little in the way of features, but noted that preview builds of the desktop platform will reach consumers in early 2015, the company didn't make any commitments as to when the next version, though, of Windows Phone will be available. Yeah, the interesting thing about Windows 10 is uh, is that uh, they brought the start menu back, of course, you know. But it, it's one of these things where they realize that uh, businesses just will not deploy Windows 8 because of its weird, you know, multiple personality disorder it has with the uh, the tablet interface that they plopped on top of the regular, you know, desktop interface that you're used to. And it's just it's just a strange, weird interface because some of the apps run full screen, some of them are not. Then you can kind of switch between desktop ones it's really just confusing to use so they they really had to backpedal here and and create something that makes a little bit more sense for regular desktop computers do you think it's strange that we're not in jumping into windows 9 or does it even matter that uh, we're, we're switching up the nomenclature at this point 
Well, there's a, there was one bit of uh, rumors that there was a legacy code in some applications that look for Windows 95 or Windows 98. So they thought that maybe they want to just try to avoid that by going to Windows 10, uh, even though we haven't used Windows 95 and 98 apps for a really long time. But I suppose it is possible that that's why they switched the name of it. But... Uh, who knows? Maybe they want to look more like uh, Mac OS X uh, or just make it sound like they've changed up enough versions here to get away from Windows 8. I, I just don't know. Mm, interesting. Well, either way, a phone that you buy that runs Windows will still be running a different type of interface than the Windows that you have on your computer will, but it's going to be essentially the same code that runs across all of them, and so you'll have one version. I'm not really sure why this matters. Um, you know, I would, I can totally understand it between uh, the tablet and the phone interfaces, but and then, but I think something on a desktop or laptop is 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 and should look totally different. Well, I'm sure they're still going to have that tablet interface be runnable on the Windows 10. So it'll be like it is now, but the, the, the ARM applications, which is kind of what, what really makes the big difference between the tablets and the phones, is that they've got the ARM-capable OS, which is what the Windows RT is. It only runs in that ARM-based you know, tablet interface. They're now windowing those tablet interface applications on the regular desktop version of of, win, of Windows, so that's how it's going to be uh, done. So it's it's nothing fancy. It's just uh, they're just doing it just a little bit different instead of putting that huge tablet interface in your face on your desktop computer. And you know the, the the thing about this is how many people actually care about this, right? I mean, there's there's still a lot of people <clears throat> that are using Windows on their desktop or their laptop. They're going to continue to be that way. Um, they, they like it. They use it. Um, I still use Windows every day for work. Uh, so, you know, certainly at someday I'm going to enjoy using Windows 10 for, you know, regular enterprise functionality as well. But uh, on the tablet or phone side, it's going to be interesting to see how that all goes, how the surface lines are going to be tied into this as well and the types of interfaces that that's going to have and and uh, and whatnot. So there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of change coming here with Windows 10. And uh, certainly it's it's going to be exciting for consumers as we, we see kind of the 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 seamless experience as they put it. But ultimately, it's going to be still a number of months out. It's going to be sometime in 2015 before we actually see these builds hit for us. If you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Questions at the cell phone junkie.com is our email address. Give us a call 206-203-3734 if you'd like to leave a voicemail and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.